one of the things there is saving face. It's all about like what you look like to other people. And even in the church, um, pastors, they'll, they'll put on a face. And um, One of the things that I've really tried to do in Thailand is to be real as a pastor and show people that, you know, I, I'm no different than you are. God <coughs> has, um, we, we landed in Thailand in 2005, and he began working on my heart and just showing me how much I am in need of him. Over the course of several years, uh, we were in Bangkok for five years. Oh, great. It wasn't there earlier. So over the course of five years, five years we were in Bangkok. And a major, if you take Jacksonville, can I use that? I, I really Try to get closer. Yeah. Okay. You, you can't hear me? try and speak louder. Yeah, I'm not used to using a mic either. Anyways, so Bangkok, about 15 million people. Uh, we were there for five years, uh, planting a church there with a team, and then God began working on our hearts, showing us to go to southern Thailand, uh, where there's a lot of Muslims and Buddhists, to begin a new church planting work there. It was there that... Um, I experienced the grace of God in a way that, that I really hadn't before. Uh, we wanted to take a couple years to just understand the area, get to know people, learn um, the demographics. Must be the mission since you're here. I said, well, you know, I don't know, but we'll get to know you and we'll see where things go. So over the next year, uh, we got to know them more and more, and we committed to planting a church with them. So over the past couple years, uh, we've been uh, seeing people come to faith in Christ. Uh, in Thailand, missions has been there for over 175 years, and less than 1% have a relationship with Christ. And in southern Thailand, there are places where it is zero, zero Christians. Um, and so to see a church planted in just a couple years is not typical in Thailand. And Crystal and I, we feel like we are just holding on, you know, for dear life as God brought us along, uh, seeing this work established. And God's opened other opportunities, things like art, using painting as a way of reaching people. Uh, you know, in this community, you have to engage people. You have to go and meet. Uh, and how do you do that? Uh, through different avenues. Uh, art, coffee, food, uh, golf. Uh, we, had to do, we have to do the same things in Thailand. We have to figure out which, how we can get and engage people and meet them. So that's a little bit about Thailand. I'm not gonna, I could talk forever. Um, I'll come back and share more about Thailand another day. Uh, one of the, I feel though, like in Thailand and Thrang, as we saw the church growing, uh, we get a glimpse of how in the future, as we're told in Revelation, that every knee um, that every people, tribe, and nation um, will worship the Lord. So if we look at Revelation 5, This is, Revelation 5 is one of my favorite 
favorite chapters in the Bible because it really paints a picture of who it is that we worship. And you know, it's, it's safe to say that I, most people enjoy music in some form or fashion. Uh, Martin Luther said that music is the art of the prophets and the gift of God. Not just music, but song also. And if you look at Revelation, earlier in the book of Revelation, you see uh, some churches that are being described. Some are hot, some are cold, and, and some are lukewarm. And uh, some of these churches had forgotten what it means to sing to our Lord. Chapter 5 describes who it is that we sing to. We sing to the lamb that was slain. And that lamb is Jesus Christ. He was slain for you, and this is the gospel. But sadly, we forget who it is that we sing to. We forget how to sing. God has written uh, it on our hearts. Um, but so often we forget what it means. And just like the church in Laodicea, we forget who it is that we sing to. And we, and we have stopped singing Our Redeemer Lives, but we have started to sing some other song. Let me read Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw on the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion, the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and around, then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering merits of merits and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts, that we would see who it is that we worship. Father, I pray that you would increase our faith this morning, 
that you would open our ears and our hearts and our minds to know you more intimately. Father God, I pray that you would speak through me, that people would not look at me, but they would look to you. Lord, I pray also that you would use this time to minister to our hearts and that as we, we see our fallen nature, Lord, we see that there is grace and redemption and hope in you. And we thank you for that. In Christ's name, amen. So I usually, in Thailand, our church, as I said, is about this size. And I'd sit down half the time. And then uh, I, I had a pulpit that I made myself. So Thai people are really short. Uh, so I made my own pulpit, you know, much higher so I can look out and see everybody. But um, what I want to look at this morning are three things here in Revelation. What it means to not sing of our Redeemer. How does one come to sing of our Redeemer? And how do we sing of our Redeemer? So, what does it mean to not sing of our Redeemer? We are told in Revelation uh, 5, 2 through 4, John writes, And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. This scroll that John talks about uh, represents God's perfect plan uh, throughout history, including God's judgment as well on the earth. And there's no one who can bring about God's plan but God himself. Only God can do this. Time and time again, we saw in the Old Testament how Israel uh, would continue to break God's covenant. And not only Israel... We are like Israel. We also continue to break God's covenant. And when we break God's covenant, when we are covenant breakers, we're not able to sing to our Lord. Everyone is a covenant breaker, but yet everybody knows that there's a God. We're told in Romans 1.18 that man has suppressed the truth and unrighteousness. And then Romans 3.10 tells us, uh, that there's no one righteous, no, not one. You don't have to go far to see that there are you know, terrible things happening in the world. You turn on the headlines and on the news, and you see all these terrible things happening. It's so easy for us to, to look and say, those people are e- evil. Uh, it's very easy not to look at ourselves, isn't it? But we have to recognize that one sin in our own hearts is just as evil in God's sight as, as the other people out there and what they're doing. You know, per, perhaps uh, we, we don't always outwardly do the things that we see other people doing, uh, but in our hearts, our hearts are just as corrupt. And we're not able to sing to our Lord. Some, some Christians... Uh, like the ones uh, earlier in Revelation, 
in Revelation 2 and 3, they stop singing to, the, to our Lord. Their hearts have become calloused. And so what does this look like when, you're, when your heart is calloused? Well, uh, this book that I was reading a few years ago uh, called The Mortification of Sin in Believers by a guy back in the 17th century uh, named John Owen, uh, he talks about what this looks like in a Christian's life. And he talks about how uh, sin begins to creep into a Christian's life uh, very slowly. And before the Christian realizes it, he has become consumed by the sin in his life. And he tries to muster up all the strength that he can, uh, but he just can't get out of it. He's drowning in it. He can't escape the sin. And the only way he can escape the sin is if somebody comes and saves him from it. Not only does our fallen nature keep us from singing of our Redeemer, but we are also tempted by the forces of darkness. And I tell you that the forces of darkness are, really, are, are very real. Uh, the devil and the demons are very real. C.S. Lewis talks about this uh, in, a, in a fiction called uh, The Screwtape Letters. He talks about the devil and, and his demons and how uh, the devil's so crafty. And he will use ways to, to penetrate your heart, to get into you, uh, that you don't even realize until uh, you've been brought down. I got to experience this in Thailand uh, in a way I hadn't really experienced it before. I, I'm a pretty adventurous person, not very fearful. Um, so we get to Thailand, and immediately I begin experiencing fear. Fear of getting hit by a car, fear of getting bit by a dog, fear of being sick, things that I was never fearful of before. And Satan was using this thing, fear, uh, to get me to stop singing of my Lord. By the grace of God, he showed me what was happening, and he brought me out of that. Satan wanted me to stop singing of the mighty power of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has conquered sin and death. Another way of not, not singing of our Redeemer is by watering down the gospel. When we add or take away from the gospel, we water it down. When we add laws to the gospel, we water it down because we are living as though the gospel is insufficient. We are saying that what Christ has done on the cross is not enough. And, we, and when we do this, we have lost sight and the power of the gospel. And we have forgotten that there is power in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have forgotten of his ongoing grace in our lives. And we, when we lose sight of these things, we are not able to sing of our Redeemer. John weeps because he realizes that there is nobody worthy to open the scroll. All of us are sinners. So if we have stopped singing of our Redeemer, how do we come to sing of our Redeemer? The rest of this chapter, John will go on to describe who it is that is able to open the scroll and why the Lamb is able to open the scroll. And we are told that of the people that worship and sing to this person who is able to open the scroll, 
that they are bringing, being brought into worshiping God. There are the people, like those in Thailand, uh, that have never heard the name of Jesus before. But yet, they do know that God exists. Because God has written the law in their hearts. There is a lady in our church, so I just told you the end of the story. Um, there's a lady named Duke, and she's in her early 40s. Uh, she's a single mom, divorced, has a son in high school. Her son was in with the wrong crowd. Uh, Juke suffers from mental illness. And she was just praying to whoever was out there. She knew that there was a God. And she asked this God, would you bring somebody into my life to, and remove the bad people uh, from my life, bring in good people so soon after she prayed this, she was in the airport, and a lady in her church named Pitao uh, saw Juke struggling with her luggage, and she asked her if she could help. Um, so Pitao uh, helped her with her luggage, and they got to talking in the line, and she said, Pitao told Juke about the gospel. Uh, and then they, they just kind of went on their ways. I remember Pitao coming to me and Crystal and saying, yeah, I shared the gospel with somebody, but I don't know what will happen, but God knows, is a couple months later, they ran into each other again at the airport. Now, I, I have to tell you, Trang is not a, a giant city like Bangkok. It's not 15 million, about 100,000 people, and it's a small airport. Uh, but they ran into each other again, and they got talking, and this time they exchanged numbers, and they began uh, developing a friendship. About six months later, uh, Juke prayed to receive Christ. And we, we see Juke, who knew of God, but she didn't know Jesus. And God was bringing Juke to him to show her that she could sing of her Redeemer, who is Christ. You know, to the person who does not know God, it is simple. They will never sing of God until the Holy Spirit comes and convicts them. Uh, of their sin. Their hearts will remain hearts of stone until their heart is transformed and they're given a heart of flesh. This is the gospel. And they have to be told about the wonderful news. God uses his word and his children to share with people of who he is and how they can sing of their Redeemer. And this is global missions. And there are also Christians, as I've mentioned, that are calloused in their hearts, they no longer sing. Uh, they've, they've forgotten what it means to sing of their Redeemer. To the person who is callous, the Christian who is calloused in their hearts um, of their sin and no longer sings, there is hope. There is hope because you are still a child of God. Christ, will he loves you regardless. Nothing you can do can ever keep you from God's love. And God will continue to grow you to make you more like Christ. This is a promise from God. And it is only through Christ and the power um, of him that your life can be changed. And you could be like, continue to be like the church in Laodicea. Uh, the church in Laodicea uh, in chapter 3, they were lukewarm. They, they wanted to uh, continue sitting on the couch uh, and never stand up. They wanted to say they were Christians, yet all the while continue uh, in their sin. But my encouragement to you this morning is that 
Christ is there to lift you up. In verse 5, it says, let's read verse 5. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion, the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. You see, Jesus has conquered. And it says, if Jesus has conquered sin and death, surely Christ can transform your heart as well. It's only through Christ, through the illumination of the Holy Spirit, that one can come and sing to him. Which brings us to our last point. How do we sing of our Redeemer? You know, for, yeah, I've said earlier that we, we can't sing of our Redeemer unless our hearts have been changed. It is useless unless you have repented of your sin and have turned to God, which is the work of Christ. And second, what is it that we sing of? Well, we look at Revelation 12, uh, verse 12. We are told, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Revelation shows us that Christ was slain for our sin. He bore our sin so that we could worship him. If you remember in earlier in verse 4, John weeps because nobody's worthy to open the scroll. But Christ is worthy to open the scroll. Christ is worthy to open the scroll because he has conquered sin and death. Verses 9 and 10, it says, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Christ is the only one that can open the scroll. The scroll that can never be added to or changed. It's a scroll that only God can open. And Christ, who is God, has the power to open the scroll. Christ has purchased us by his blood so that we can worship him. And we will sing a song of Christ's redeeming work. Because of what Christ has done, that is how we are able to sing of our Redeemer. You know, Christ is calling people to himself from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And that means that Christ uses his church um, to bring the good news to these people. One of the things that um, I've noticed since coming back to the States are all these church buildings everywhere. In Thailand, you see temples and mosques. And it's very easy to realize, oh, well, you know, people here need the gospel. Um, we need to bring the gospel to them. You come back here and you forget sometimes when you see all these church buildings, but they're just buildings. There are thousands and thousands of people around here that, that don't know who Christ is, and we need to engage them. We need to meet them where they are. We need to bring the gospel to them so that they can also sing of our Redeemer. You know, many people have asked me, why are you willing to go to Thailand so far away? Well, I'm adventurous, but the real reason is that I want people to sing of our Redeemer. I want to sing of my Redeemer. 
God hasn't just called you to himself, but he's called many others to himself as well. And we as a church here, we have to engage people and we share with them the hope we have in Christ. If you look at, at verses 13 and 14, it says, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them, saying to him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. What do you see here? You see people worshiping Christ. John Piper says uh, in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. You see, our, our ultimate goal as a church it's not missions it's worship it's worshiping our redeemer which is what we see here in revelation 5 you know, paul the apostle paul in romans uh, he tells us in romans 1:16 for i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ for it is the power of god unto salvation the gospel is powerful and when you're saved, the gospel doesn't just end. You know, it's not just a one-time thing. The gospel's ongoing. Christ continues to transform your life uh, so that you can sing of him. This morning, perhaps uh, some of you are really struggling. Uh, perhaps some of you have, have forgotten what it means to sing of our Redeemer. You know, perhaps uh, you've lost sight of the power of the gospel. And it's easy, uh, many times, actually, in Thailand, and I look at these, these people that are, that are just, you know, drenched in Buddhism or Islam, and I think, you know, is the gospel really strong enough to transform their hearts? And then I ask myself, you know, sometimes I wonder, is the gospel strong enough to transform my heart? But as we read earlier, you know, Christ has conquered and if Christ can do this, then absolutely he can transform your heart and he can transform other people's hearts as well. Christ has conquered sin and death. And we can sing of him who is our redeemer. We are told at the end of Revelation 5 that us, along with all the other saints, will worship the Lord. It, picks, it, it paints a picture here of Christ's eternal glory, majesty, and dominion. Christ is supreme over every living creature on the earth. How amazing it is that he has, he has come and he has transformed our hearts. And we now get to participate in worshiping him, the lamb that was slain. Let us sing a song of our Redeemer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you were slain for us.